Okay, everybody, welcome back once again to Tech Gumbo. I'm Haggai Davis II, along with Haggai Davis III, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Here on our show, we like to talk about the past, present, and future of all things technology in a topical, interesting, and digestible way. Without geek speak or a bunch of acronyms, we just want to talk about technology that's important to us and important to you. We also want to thank Cardinal Capital. To business owners and CEOs, hopefully you have a good relationship with your lender. Even if you do, sometimes you face other challenges, such as a need to consolidate debt, a want to level out your cash flow, or a desire to buy new equipment because you're in growth mode. If this describes you, give Cardinal Capital a call, whatever your need or challenge. They have over 4,000 lenders where they source commercial capital for business clients. Chris, Gary, and Rob at Cardinal Capital have a passion for business, and they want you to succeed. When you meet with Cardinal Capital, they get to know you and your business, so they can present your needs to lending institution that will best fit your unique situation. In short, they go after money for your business. They translate your business into what's important for lenders, and they are good at it. Depending upon what the deal is, no matter how complicated or straightforward, they will help maximize your profitability while setting your business up for success. They find the best solution for your situation, all while being fun and easy to deal with. For more detailed information, visit their website at cardinalcap.net. You can also call them 225-308-3700 or email them info at cardinalcap.net. So, Mr. Davis, let's mm-hmm. do us some tech gumbo with some news and updates. Absolutely. Start off with the Supreme Court. has to, They're going to take up a case that involves the social media protection law in Section 230. Yeah, this one is a very big deal. The Supreme Court is taking multiple cases that are related, that are are parallel to each other. And it's why we believe this is going to have meaningful impacts on the future of Section 230, which is the law which currently protects a lot of social media companies by arguing that they operate more as a platform instead of as an active participant in the distribution of their content. So the background of the story is the family of Nohimi Gonzalez, who was killed in the 2015 Paris terrorist attack, claims YouTube helped aid and abet the spread of Islamic ideology. And Supreme Court is going to have to decide because of the artificial intelligence that YouTube uses when they decide who sees what video do they have any liability based upon that portion not what was not the content but because of the artificial intelligence yes that's wherever this gets really interesting is that as you're as you're pointing out the fact that youtube has recommendation algorithms so it's not like a newsstand wherever you know all of the magazines and newspapers are laid out right there in front of you pretty equally for you to see this is saying that the content is being specifically recommended to you based upon data that the platform has collected about you. And so because they're taking a much more active role in what you see and the things that are being served to you, now all of a sudden they're not just saying, oh, you know, we're just here as the a neutral bystander. We're, you're not just this third party anymore. You're now taking a much more present role in the what people see and this 
pipeline of radicalization is something that has been studied very well. A lot of people don't start off in these radical places. They start off as mostly normal people with maybe like one or two extreme ideas, but they watch one YouTube video and YouTube then says, well, would you like to see this other one? And this next one recommends them the next one, which recommends them the next one, which recommends them the next one. And then they end up down in this deep hole. And YouTube knew about this. And YouTube was specifically pushing people in this direction because it knew that if they kept serving videos which were more and more extreme, people would watch more and more. And so YouTube wasn't even just, it wasn't an accident that this happened. This was a specific choice that YouTube made as a platform because it promoted engagement and promoted more watching. And so YouTube could sell more ads. That is going to be the basis of this family's argument against YouTube. And it's so interesting is because this exact same argument they're going to make against YouTube for this radicalization of Muslims and ISIS is exactly the argument that people could make for radicalization of people here in America. And so if YouTube loses this lawsuit, expect to see a number of similar lawsuits like it. Because not only does YouTube use their algorithms for artificial intelligence to give you more videos. If you like this, you like that. If you like this and when you like more of that, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, you go right on down the list of all the social media platforms, LinkedIn. I mean, they all use these similar types of algorithms to keep showing you things that you're going to want to see because you like this or you like that. That's how these companies have become gazillion dollar companies. And oh, by the way, if you take down one, you take down all. And this could have massive, massive changes coming to social media. Now, there's been no testimony and we have no idea. We're just totally speculating as to what possible outcomes could happen. By no means do we have a clue as to what really will happen. You know, I, I don't know enough about the letter of the law or how exactly they're going to make this case from a legal standpoint. I can only tell you what it looks like from the technology side. And nor can we tell you what the Supreme Court will think about all of this. Those that gets into a political realm that is far outside of my area of expertise. But this is definitely the Supreme Court has said they're going to take it and we will follow this. We will track this because unless they get to the end and say no change whatsoever, it's fine how it was. Any way that this scale tips is going to really have ripples throughout the entirety of social media. Because if you'll remember, the Texas House Bill 20, the now Texas social media law, is in direct contradiction to Section 230. And, oh, by the way, it's making its way through the courts as well. And the Supreme Court being the Supreme Court could just say, hey, we'll, we'll fold that Texas House Bill into this lawsuit and bundle them all together. And now... You talk about seismic shifts that have impacts way beyond just the borders of the United States. Oh, absolutely. And it's, yeah, that, that Texas uh, social media law is says that no one can bar anyone from making inflammatory political comments. Well, the, the earlier case is saying that because YouTube and TikTok and Twitter allowed for the recruitment of extremists through 
extremist political content that they violated the Anti-Terrorism Act. And so you either have to ban a certain group of people or you can't ban anyone. These explicitly contradict each other. And so this is this is why those people get paid the big bucks, because that's uh, a very thorny conflict. And I'm glad I'm not the one who has to untangle it. This is like taking two magnets and having the both positive ends or both negative ends and trying pushing them together. And they and you just can't. I mean, they're it, the two laws just are in such direct conflict and are pushing away. This is this this could be really, really big. And it probably will be sometime in, into the next year before anything happens with it. But we will certainly pay attention and report back as we see anything more coming from it. Absolutely. This because Congress does not appear motivated to pass any sort of meaningful laws anytime soon. So this is likely what is going to set precedent for a long time to come. Next story we wanted to talk about a little bit of a follow up, but also could have quite the seismic shift. The EU did ratify the everybody must be on USB-C type charging. We talked about this back in June. They, They were threatening to do so. Well, now they did so. For phones, tablets, and cameras, everything must charge on USB-C by 2024, and then laptops by spring 2026. So Apple has two years to come into compliance with their phones. And at that point in time, we'll have one cord, and it'll be wonderful that it won't be, oh, no, I have the this cord. No, I have the that cord. It'll just be one charging cord, which is great for everyone. Whether it's the iPhone 15 or the iPhone 16 or the iPhone 27 or whatever number that they're on by the time they finally get to it, get everybody on the USB-C. It obviously not the iPhone 14 because that's out and that still has the lightning port. Hopefully... It you looks know. like 15 is expected to have the USB-C, but you have to think definitely by 16 they'll have to be on the, the USB-C. And then does Apple say, well, okay, fine, for any phones we do in Europe, we'll do it that way, but we're going to have an American-based phone with its – or do they just say, okay, fine, everybody, everybody, all across the board, just the new, the big shift to everybody going to USB-C – I would be shocked if Apple tries to keep two separate versions of the phone because yeah, once Apple, it's Apple being Apple, they're going to they're going to Apple something. It's one thing if it's software, you can you can do software wherever, you know, okay, we have this version here and that version there because that's easier. But physical hardware to keep separate like that, man, that is so very tough. I, I agree. It would be very tough, but it would be very much like Apple to try and pull it off. Moving along, Windows logo, the older version of the Windows logo was apparently spiked with some malware and it got downloaded and people were passing around this bitmap image of the logo, not realizing it had a malware payload in it. So this is actually a really brilliant attack from this group, Witchity. So what they did is that they uploaded a copy of the Windows logo into GitHub. And for those of you who are unfamiliar, 
GitHub is just a giant repository of code. It's open source. Anybody can dump into it, used by a lot of different companies and individuals all over the globe to do coding. It's a huge backbone of the entire software development industry. And most of the time, it's pretty secure. It's pretty well regulated. You know, they do a good job of making sure that what's on their platform is safe. But because this payload was hidden inside the image itself, it passed through all those security checks. And so whenever you got the first round of malware, it went and downloaded that Windows logo, and then the malware activated the code inside of the logo. And that's whatever started the much larger chain of events. So if you're not a coder, then you're probably okay. But if you've been playing with code out there from GitHub, you might want to run some some anti-malware software. So another thing, Google Chrome or any, any browser built on Chromium will begin transitioning to Manifest V3 in January of 2023. The reason why this is a big deal is that it'll have some impacts for privacy and security, which we'll talk about later. But much bigger is that it will render a lot of ad blocks irrelevant. If you use uBlock or AdBlock or any of the, the big uh, ad blocking platforms or softwares, those will simply stop working. So if you use Google Chrome or Microsoft Edge, get ready, you're gonna start seeing a lot more ads because your ad blocker is not gonna stop it. Now, interestingly, Google has already delayed the timeline of this. It was originally supposed to be mid-June 2023. They've already pushed it to January 2024. And my guess is that there's a lot of public pressure here that people are very upset by this. But if Google says all of a sudden ad blockers are no longer effective, well, Google's an advertising company. And so even if someone like myself says, that's it, I'm switching to Firefox, the vast majority of people won't. And so Google shows them more ads and Google makes more money in the end. You have to think that they're weighing that, yeah, you're gonna make a group of people kind of angry and you're gonna make the, their experience of the internet worse, but they're gonna make more money off of it. And when you go to Firefox, you're gonna be there for a while and go, yeah, okay, I kind of miss Chrome now, I'll go back. They've got you. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So NASA and SpaceX are considering moving the Hubble Space Telescope into a higher orbit. Yeah, the Hubble Telescope has run a very long course around the Earth, doing lots of great work for NASA. However, because it is still technically in the Earth's atmosphere, it slows down a little bit, which means that it decreases its height a little bit. But because the Hubble is still operational, it still works. The James Webb Space Telescope didn't have to kill it in order to take over. Still, It still functions. And so if SpaceX could go and, and nudge it back up into a higher orbit so that the Hubble Space Telescope can keep taking pictures for you know much longer, awesome, great. We, we'd love, though, what it's brought us. We'd love what it can continue to bring us. Yeah, the James Webb is out there a million, million plus miles away from Earth and comfortable currently... Hubble is only about 335 miles above Earth, and I think they want to 
get it up closer to about 500 miles above Earth, and that way it'll maintain that orbit and, and extend its life. Because as of right now, we talked recently that the Hubble was ex not expected to make it through 2025, maybe 2026, because it's getting closer and closer to re-entering the Earth's atmosphere. Yeah, you you dropped the statistic there, which I, I think is, is interesting to go back and, and highlight again. James Webb Space Telescope is about a million miles out. Hubble is less than 500. So these two telescopes, these two satellites are doing very different things. And so they, they bring us different types of data. Hubble still has a lot of value left to bring to us. It still does different things than James Webb does. And so this would be very good if they can pull this off. And we're, we're very excited about the partnership between NASA and SpaceX. Yeah, I mean, Hubble's like looking through a pair of binoculars. James Webb's like looking through a telescope. I mean, they both are really good, but one's going to help you see much, much further with much better clarity. And it's still good to have a pair of binoculars around the sea. So, hey, let's keep Hubble going. It's It still works. There's still a lot of good astronomy that can be used. So good for SpaceX to to be able to use their, their Dragon spacecraft to grab it and toss it back out there a little bit more. One might even say they're dragging it back out there. <laughs> Speaking of dragging, the last story we wanted to talk about, because it's a fun story to talk about, down in Australia, a food delivery drone crashed into some power lines, putting a whole lot of people out of power. This is, uh, as best we can tell, a novelty. This is still pretty new, kind of fun, kind of ha-ha-ha. And so the utility company Interjex said that they weren't super worried about it. They got power up within a couple hours. They're not really, they're not going to charge the, the drone company for it. But you have to pause and think that this is the first time we're seeing this. This won't be the last time. For what it's worth, Wing, the food delivery company, said the drone crashed into the power lines as it was making its precautionary landing. The Interjex employees said when they got there and they got the drone down, the food was still hot. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, it might have caught fire as it hit the power lines. Power lines normally don't like to have objects colliding with them, but that's that's pretty good if it, the, the heating system is that efficient. Yeah, the article we were reading, one of the, the people from Energex was quoted as saying, 15 years ago, we asked people to be careful if they were giving their children kites for Christmas and be careful where they were flying them. Now we're asking parents to be very careful with where their kids fly their drones. Which I think is a, a fantastic vision of, or a fantastic statement which captures the way that things have changed is that drones are becoming much more common. They're becoming much cheaper. They're becoming much more accessible. And, you know, if you have a 10-year-old, you have a 15-year-old, a, a drone as a present is a, a very reasonable thing. And not only are they, they becoming less expensive, they're becoming more powerful, more capable, having better cameras. And so people are wanting to fly them more and do more things with them. And as they fly them around more, you're going to bet it's going to be hitting more and more power lines and more windows and other things that drones weren't meant to hit. The reason that we don't have jetpacks or flying cars 
is not that we don't have the technology to make those things. It's that we don't have the technology to make safe jetpacks and safe flying cars. It only takes one little glitch to have them fall out of the sky, and wherever they land, you better hope it's soft, uh, because otherwise, who knows what's going to happen here. If your restaurant is delivering your food via drone and you live near power lines, just want to look up and make sure that it gets there safely. We want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed service provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers across the southeastern United States. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through continuous innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 180 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, program designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of business schools and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business strengths. This has become a proven formula. So proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need IT services, new technology, or have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. If you enjoyed our show today, we are here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4 p.m. And the show reruns Sundays also at 4 p.m. If you missed any part of the show or you'd like to hear this or previous episodes, check out our podcast available on almost every podcast platform, including iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music Audible, and more. When you're there, be sure to subscribe so you get notified every time we post a new episode. If you like our show or you have any suggestions, let us know on our website at www.techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.